good afternoon good morning good evening from wherever you're watching this conversation from welcome back to yet another one of chiromo hospital groups live discussions we are live on facebook live on linkedin and youtube and we are glad to be here it's been a long time coming um to have these live sessions back on these platforms and we are glad to be um, taking this through today we are having a very interesting discussion imposter syndrome um, and we have a very great panel here with us a panel of professionals but also and most importantly a panel of human beings important to remember that we all go through these experiences and with this panel we're here to learn from each other we're here to understand what is imposter syndrome how does it show what are the different dynamics the different types how do we experience this on a day-to-day -day basis and we're here to learn from each other i am more than honored to introduce the panel that you have here um, today and to kick this conversation off remember you're free to engage us if you have any questions any comments feel free to go down to the chat section type it up and we'll see to it that we're able to discuss those questions right here on this um, conversation so let me go straight ahead to the panel um, i will just follow my grid um, right next to me is enoch katere and i'd like to give you a chance to say hi to the audience introduce yourself um, before we get into the questions over to you enoch Hello, are you getting me? Yes. Yeah, I'm Gatere Enoch, uh, hospital psychologist from Uganda, hospital coach for hospital, and I'm um, pursuing my master's as well in clinical psychology at Makere University. Nice to have you, fellow psychologist. Thank you, Enoch. Uh, we're glad to have you here with us as well. Thank you. Um, and then we have. Okay, then I'll uh, hand it over to Winfrey. Please say hi to the audience, Winfrey, and then um, we'll finish up with the introduction. Thank you, Winfrey. Okay. Thank you, Pendo. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our audience, depending on where you're listening from. Uh, my name is Winfrey Aching, and I'm a hospital psychologist at Romo Hospital Group. Yeah. And um, honestly speaking, talking about imposter syndrome, I feel it's a very, very important uh, topic. Yeah, which has, is, is actually uh, looked short if I may put it that way. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Penda. Thank you, Winfrey. And I'm glad to hear from you. Glad to have you as part of this conversation. Um, then I'd like to introduce Carol to Ruby. Um, uh, before we dive right into the chat. Over to you, Carol. Oh, all right, thank you. Uh, my name is Caroline Turuthi. I'm a hospital psychologist at Chiromo Hospital Group, and I'm excited to get into this discussion today. Okay, without further ado, allow me to um, dive right into the conversation. Chakla will join us as we are carrying on. Um, Imposter syndrome. These are one of those terms that are used um, very casually and a lot out here, um, but we might have different understanding of what imposter syndrome is, different experiences 
of what imposter syndrome is. And I'd like to start with hearing from the audience. What's your understanding of what imposter syndrome is? Let me direct it first to Enoch. Uh, thank you. I, I just in summary, please. Oh, yeah, for me, I see it as when someone has, when someone, they, you, you, when your skills and everything you see, you see it as a crowd, or when you have those, when you, when you doubt yourself, the skills you have. Yeah. Thank you for that, Enoch. Let me hear from um, also Winfrey and Carol in that order. What's mm -hmm. your understanding of imposter syndrome? Yeah, I guess I also concur with uh, with Enoch. Yeah, when I hear imposter syndrome, is more self doubt, and uh, this revolves around either your skills, your capability, and um, this is usually in regards to even person who's achieving. Yeah, like you're achieving, but still you're doubting yourself, uh, depending on a lot of factors, so to say. So the self-doubt and especially on something that you're capable of, but on your end, you're not even seeing that you're able to do anything, yeah. Thank you, Winfrey, for that. Um, Carol, um, mm -hmm. as, as I'm handing this over to you, from your experience as a psychologist, from your practice, um, how common is imposter syndrome? Okay, thank you, Fendo. I think imposter syndrome um, is very common, especially to professionals, and also um, when it's out there in the social world, when uh, people are feeling not capable enough, regardless of their achievement, as it has been mentioned. And of course, there's always a fear of being exposed as a fraud. You are waiting for that day when people will realize you're not the person they think you are. So yeah, it's very common in professionals, we graduates, uh, people with experience, and of course, in the social status world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carol, for that. Um, we have another panelist who has just joined us, Magdalene Karibusana. Uh, we are glad to have you uh, in this conversation. And we are just starting off with introductions and just understanding what imposter syndrome is. Um, I'd like to invite you to say hi to the audience, but also in addition to that, um, give your brief experience. Have you interacted with imposter syndrome? How common is it in the, you know, in our world today? Over to you, Magdalene. Thank you so much. I hope you can hear me. Um, my apologies yes. for coming in. It was going to find the link. Um, so for me, the definition of imposter syndrome is having this sort of chronic or long-lasting self-doubt about your own skills and about your own abilities or even about your own successes. You're constantly doubting whether you're um, good enough or when you're looking back at your success, you tend to really cancel them out and it's because of this, this, I was helped by so and so. So it's not really something that's feeling as if you are a fraud and at one particular point you might be false because Carol had um, initially iterated. Like you just, you know, I said before, realize that you're not supposed to be there so it's a very chronic feeling of self-doubt and yeah it is quite a um a common um 
uh, a common syndrome that is mostly experienced in my own profession as a psychologist. I've met so many people who are suffering from the imposter syndrome and especially they tend to present with um, especially low self-esteem issues and they tend to cancel out all of their successes. So um, yeah, just basically there are so many people who tend to suffer a lot from the imposter syndrome. Thank you so much, uh, Magdalene, for that. And as we are starting this conversation off, part of uh, awareness is also trying to contextualize some of these experiences. And I'd like to throw um, each and every panel that is here today under the bus. Do you feel like at some point in your life, you have experienced imposter syndrome? And let me just go around and, and we don't have to, to go really deep into it, but do you feel like you've experienced it at some point in your life? Let me start with you, Ella. Yeah, now, hope you're all getting me. Yeah, I have got that. I have been through imposter syndrome, not once on that train. Even I still I will be there. Because even if you're a profession, sometimes you doubt yourself, like, so what I know, that is, I'm getting some background noise, sorry. So for me, in my first, when I was getting my first job, they took three weeks to come back to me. So I was doubting, was my interview worth it? Was my skills worth it? Were they interested in them? And so on. Even at this time when I was deepless, more of a profession. So even when I was joining a graduate school, I also faced the same. You know, Makere University here in Uganda is a big university. And as a psychologist, you always feel like you should join Makere. And in Uganda, it's the only university of the course I wanted, that's clinical psychology. So they took long to come back to me. I was saying, am I great to Am I Am I capable and so on? Even when I started graduate school as well, I was saying, will I be able to do this and so on? Even carrying the sessions I've been doing, even first time I, I, I was scared. I said, can I do psychoanalysis? Can I do psychodynamic? Because I used to see them in theory. Now I was going to practice them. So I was saying, how will I, how will I do those theories into, like, into the session? So I had that self-doubt. I was just having on the theory and so on, theories. So indeed, this is a good topic of imposter syndrome. Yeah, I can take back the mic to you. Thank you so much, Enoch, for, for that and for that experience. Um, let me keep going around. Over to you, Carol. Have you at any point in your life felt, um, you know, this level of self-doubt, experienced imposter syndrome? Yes, thank you, Pendo. Yes, I have. And uh, when I think about it, as Enoch was talking, I just could remember how I don't trust myself in a simple thing or common thing as driving. Something I'm very full of, but uh, it will get up when I'm am I even going to go the roundabouts of the highways? So it's something that you can experience and it's experienced even in other situations apart from uh, professional and when we come to uh, the professional world also there are sometimes a person feels and I personally feel wow this yeah am I going to be able to handle it and 
stuff. And when I get into it, it's okay and I'm able to do it. But first, there's always that uh, sense of doubt and feeling like, ah, this one is too much for me. But of course, uh, working through it, I'm able to go past it. Yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Carol, for that and for, for even diversifying it. Yes, there's the professional aspect, but there are also other um, competence, um, you know, dimensions in, in our lives. Um, areas through which you could also experience, you know, this struggle. Thank you so much for that. Let me go around to Winfrey. Have you at any point in your life had this experience? Yeah, honestly speaking, I've had, yeah. Considering imposter syndrome, uh, it happens. And um, there's the normalcy side of it, but I guess when now it's to the extreme, it then becomes a concern. And uh, at least according to Dr. Valerie, at least he gave me five types of imposter syndrome. And on my end, honestly, I've always resonated with the soloist. Yeah? Soloist is basically in line with um, always feeling like, you know, if you need to achieve something, it has to be done independently. Yeah. That was my thought process way back. So even if you've been delegated, I remember even in in uh, in campus, even group called the group leader, and how we used to do something even after they have completed that to recheck and all that. Yeah, just thinking, oh my god, have this done the right thing? Yeah. So I guess on my end, it has always been falling through that. And as as this goes by, and as I learn from other people, I've also understood clearly. Um, you can achieve a goal if you work as a team. As I guess I resonated more with the soloists because that is what poor wind was, even back in the house, the social setting. Yeah, if there's uh, any delegationary role to be done, I want to do it by myself. Because I feel like if I don't do it by myself, I won't achieve anything. So I guess on my end, that is where it was, falling around the soloist uh, type of imposter syndrome. Yes. Hmm. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Winfrey, for um for that. And you actually brought us into something that we'll discuss um later on into the conversation, and it's the different types of imposter syndrome. We're glad to have uh, two men joining this conversation for that you know, representation and to also hear your perspective uh, of things and we're uh, honored to have you as part of this. Um, yes, we were talking about the different types of imposter syndrome uh, and, and Winfrey had just briefly mentioned on, on one. Maybe let me give it back to Winfrey to briefly, very briefly, summarize yeah. the different types of imposter syndrome and how they show. Over to you, Winfrey. Uh, thank you, Penno. Yeah, so according to Dr. Valerie, um, he was very, she was very, very interested in imposter syndrome and there are five of them. So the first one is perfectionism, yeah? Uh, and this was definitely rooting from never wanting to find yourself in any mistake or any error. And you can imagine, it's very unrealistic to be in a world where you're not able to, you know, make a mistake or any error whatsoever. So what will this bring about? The imposter syndrome. Because you've just been doing well, you've been achieving well, then you've just made a minor error. And then it takes you back to, mm -mm, I'm not worthy, I'm just lucky. 
to a point where like I don't deserve it to a point even someone rebounds or even someone ends a relationship because of that. And then you also have uh, the natural genius, yeah. Uh, the people who are very, very skilled naturally in it, we find that for them, um, either acquiring a new skill becomes very easy for them. And uh, so as they transition more in life and face more challenges, uh, which clearly now will require either they'll experience a difficult approach, so to say, and from that point, they feel like they're failing. Remember, this uh, a natural genius, for them, um, achieving things have been easy. Acquiring skills have been easy. Performing in school, you know, being the top performer, it wasn't a struggle. But they get to a point where they either get into projects and find it very engaging, extremely engaging, but they still can perform, but they feel, uh-uh, since it's not easy, I cannot. Even in friendship, maybe there's some friendship which are very easy because some friends will understand them better. And then they find one who is very nagging and, you know, also very confrontational. So you find that they also dismiss that because they feel like, ah, this difficult aspect. Mm-mm. And then there's the soloist that I talked about. This one now depends on independently doing something. Yeah. So that means if I'm not able to do something by myself, maybe I'll need another colleague to help me out or I need a friend or just a helping hand, I'll feel like I'm not worthy. Like I cannot do these things by by myself. And then the other one is uh, the expert. Yeah. Expert is basically a uh, person before doing anything. You have to research, get all the information, you know, and with all honesty, can we get all the information you want in this if considering a certain concept? Because I believe even as panelists and our audience today, we understand that we learn each day. This is how friends and people limit themselves from opportunity, yeah? Because they feel like they can never do anything. They're like, you've been told to do something, you want to research even the whole year, surely, you know? So that is basically what happens. The aspect of knowing that, you know what, I can learn each day doesn't, doesn't matter at all at all. And then the, the last one is the, the superhero, yeah? The superhero, whether Superman or a superwoman, this revolves around, um, you know, like we have the eight dimensions of life, yeah? And uh, like in all aspects of your life, you want all of them to play in the best way possible. Like you want to achieve in every area, yeah? And with all honesty, sometimes there can be, some areas you'll be doing better, some areas you'll need improvement. Even if someone is doing well even at work, Maybe their relationship is a bit affected, their financial aspect is implicated. So at that point, they look at life as I'm not achieving anything, yeah, so to say. So um, briefly, in a summarized way, those are the five uh, types of imposter syndrome. Yeah, thank you, Bendo. And Thank you so much, Winfrey, for, for taking us through the different mm-hmm. types. If you're watching this from home, um, they're going to be going down uh, there on the screen. Take some time and, and research on the different uh, forms of imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. And check whether you have had this experience at some point in your life. Thank you, Winfrey, for that brief. Um, now that we have discussed what imposter syndrome is, how it shows... Um, Maybe I'd like to hear also from the panel um, to guide anyone who is listening to this conversation. How can one pick out that this is what I'm experiencing? 
how can one recognize um, that you're experiencing imposter syndrome? And let me start with Tekla. Um, thank you for, uh, for being here and I'm glad that you finally been able to join us. Over to you, Tekla. When you realize that when you experience success or when you do something and others are celebrating you, there is no, you have externally, you can achieve things, but internally you're feeling like you're a fraud. So you're doubting yourself. You feel like you're not good enough. Your self-confidence, of course, is low. There's feelings of anxiety around the same. So when you, when you can... Um, see these pointers in you, then, then it means you are struggling with imposter syndrome. There's the struggle to, of course, perform, but when you performed, you feel, if people found me out, you know, they'll find that I'm a fraud. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Tekla, for that. Um, that statement, you know, wondering when the next, you know, the shoe is going to drop. You're doing really well. You're excelling. You're, uh, you know, you're in the, you're in your best space. Everyone is saying you're doing so well, but in the back of your mind is that continued anxiety. When is it going to happen? When are they going to figure me out? When are they going to, you know, um, figure this imposter out? Hence the the, the name, the term, um, where it comes from. Thank you, Tekla, for for that. Is there anyone who would like to add on to that? How can one recognize that? I am actually experiencing this. I I would like to add on. I don't know if I'm hard. Yes. It's yeah. Really yeah. Uh, most of the times, uh, manifestations or experiences that one is uh, actually in this situation of imposter syndrome is feeling incompetent. You know, despite demonstrating competence. Even when you know that if you're to start a business, you need to find a location, know where things are bought, know which prices they are sold at, and know how much you sell at. Despite having done all that, you still have a feeling that I don't think this will work out. You know? Or an, actually, an imposter is someone that takes on other people's words and uses them as though they are their own. You know? They do not have time to really sit down and discover and put in the time, you know? Another manifestation is feeling like the past successes and hard work were only due to luck, you know? Like if it wasn't, if it wasn't my brother, if it wasn't my sister, you know, that's why most of the times imposters actually find hard time acknowledging their own success. <laughs> I would like to say, I thank God that I'm not an imposter because I've been through my my own success and I've made it and I acknowledge that it has been my effort and labor. So for them, they think it is through luck, the past successes that they have always had. And then they feel uncomfortable with receiving praise or congratulations. You know, someone has done a seven-year course, say it is a bachelor's in surgery, you know, dental surgery. And then at the end of the day, when you tell them congratulations, they say, excuse me, you know. Uh, no, you people, no, it's not too much. You know, it's not a lot. But my friend, seven years, you should have already had it in yourself and be like, you know, I've made it, you know? And then another thing about imposters is that they do not feel they are enough, they are good enough. Even when they dress up 
even if you gave an imposter a suit of say one million and you're putting on that of three hundred thousand, they would still love to take you as you know. So at the end of the day, they are not comfortable with their own image or picture. You know? They feel doubt they feel doubtful of successes. And then lastly, they feel constant pressure to achieve or be better than before. You know? There is a, there is a difference between the pressure and the motivation. You know, so as a mental health advocate, we distinguish pressure from motivation. For motivation, someone simply comes and tells you, I think we need this report ready by Monday. Try to do as much as you can to work on it faster. With the pressure, someone wants the report there and then, and they are seated there with you. So basically, you cannot even click a computer on the mouse. So basically, that's what I can share about the manifestations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for um, for that um, and the different ways that it actually shows um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Not taking praise well, that constant pressure, um, sometimes even biting um, much than one can chew um, to try and prove a point to themselves, um, you know, about their capability. Thank you, Benjamin, about that. Um, and remember, some of these things these are experiences that we can all experience at a different at different points in our lives, and um, we are going to, in addition to understanding what are some of the ways we can experience imposter syndrome, we are also going to look at what are some of the ways that we can navigate um, and cope and manage um, this. Let me hand this over to Enoch. Um, you know, being here with us, some of the things that Benjamin has brought up really reference to the point of comparison, where this seems to be a common experience where someone feels, um, you know, constantly the urge of comparing themselves to other people. Comparison is one of the greatest triggers when it comes to imposter syndrome. And, you know, according to you, how can we navigate the, the temptation to compare oneself to others? Over to you, Anna. Yeah, like to navigate. Pardon? How can one navigate the temptation um, to compare oneself with others in the line oh. of managing imposter syndrome? Oh, because I, I believe you can stop comparing yourself to others. That's one. And you, you just believe it is me. That is me. When when you, after believing that it is me, I believe even your your, your self efficacy levels will be high. Even your personal growth. I think we shall see it later. There's there's way I said about it. Even your personal growth becomes becomes at least you believe in yourself and you're going better. So I think when when you when you navigate through you see that you are getting better. After, for me, I think the, the only process is, oh, if you summarize it all, is just you say, I'm, I'm enough. You don't compare with others. You just look for, even you can go for mentors, like people are close to you. Like you, you are mafia professionals. And so if I come to you closer and we discuss, it can also help me. I can, we are also humans. We can also go for sessions. You can look for therapists as well, as human beings. Yeah, I believe that one can also work for us. You can also note down and write what is disturbing you. 
and you see how you over, you come, you come to oh you get out of it. Yeah, that's what the little bit I can, others can also take over from that. That's what I do. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Enoch, for that. Let me. I'd also like to hear from you, Magdalene. What are your thoughts on this? Um, comparison is one of those great triggers when it comes to imposter syndrome. How can one navigate the temptation to compare oneself to others? Okay, um, I'd mostly suggest to be able to learn to view yourself as more of a unique person and you're going through unique experiences. The thing is, we've mostly learned a lot in terms of maybe um, when we're growing up, oh, why can't you be like so and so? Even hearing some comments like the grass is greener on the other side. So we tend to really look for, you know, what's happening on the other person's side. But if we're able to recognize that we are all unique people, we have different paths, we have different timelines, for instance, it might make us to stop um, comparing ourselves. And also another tip would be instead of maybe because um, comparison at times comes very naturally sometimes it would be to learn how um, if I'm looking up to someone and I'm seeing where they're at, instead of trying to compare myself, like my differences and their differences, the thing would be learned to like mostly look at it as more of inspiration rather than trying to be too critical of myself. So trying to look at it very differently and practicing so much self-compassion, reminding yourself of the different experiences that, um, for instance, you've been through. Um, I've met like so many clients of mine who'd mostly say, oh, you know, I've come from a very poor background. My cousin, then they're very rich people and they have it all but then they're still complaining of this and this i feel like my life is so miserable i have an a but you know my cousin went to florida and studied you know this particular thing but the technique that we normally um try to look at is for them to be able to acknowledge their own unique experiences okay you come from a poor background yeah from a humble background and that's okay but you were able to get to the point for instance you got 450 marks in kcc despite all the troubles that you've gone through yeah um your mother yes yeah, so or your parents struggled a bit to get you into maybe an educational system as compared to maybe one of your cousins but you were still able to use the resources that were available the time and whichever thing that were available to get to a particular point so learning to look at ourselves from more of a unique um background is something that can really help a lot in terms of being able to navigate the whole comparison and also learning to um, get inspiration as opposed to trying to criticize yourself when you're comparing to someone else and practicing lots and lots of self-compassion is the way I'd say um, can really be helpful to limit um, our comparison and also another thing what I'd mention is um, especially in our in our age and times social media can really have a huge influence on making us feel like you know imposters because you go online you see so-and-so has bought a new car or they're living their life or they're having such a really great times and then you might really feel okay what am I really doing with my own life but the thing is people hardly post any negative experiences in their lives on social media they're only going to post the good things like you you know I'm doing great I'm doing awesome but they hardly post eh but they don't ask kukula food <laughs> you know um they hardly do that so it's for us to learn to limit how much social media we engage in and to just learn to take it you know like a pinch of salt um yeah and so on so so i think that's a technique that can help us to really minimize or in our comparison wow um could not have said it better thank you so much magdalene for that and as you were commenting actually i saw smiles and nods from the rest of the panelists because um it actually uh you know captures 
um, when it comes to comparison and how um, that can actually end up being one's downfall and remembering that often people show what they want you to see. People don't show what they're actually experiencing a lot of times. Um, and imagine comparing yourself to someone's best um, while you're also looking at your worst at that point. So the weight that comes with that. Thank you so much, Magdalene. Let me also hear from Winfrey um, and, and Carol afterwards. What's, what's your opinion on the weight of or the importance of support systems when it comes to the management of imposter syndrome management of sorry imposter syndrome um the importance of support systems mm -hmm. okay. um one thing as clearly for imposter syndrome as we started it's more about the self-doubt and this is usually very very internal so having support system this can evolve around um in terms of healthy, healthier friendship. Remember, sometimes you can have people put in quote support, but clearly they're the ones weighing you down. Like, you know, especially if you have an imposter syndrome and you have self-doubt. <clears throat> and then I approach uh, maybe Brenda, for instance, I'm like, hey, I'm very afraid of this. And they're like, yeah, you should be afraid because, hey, by the way, that thing you can't handle. You ought to just let it be. Yes, those who are listening to us, I hope you understand that Swahili word. Acha too means just let it slide. Don't do it at all at all. Yeah. So you find that healthier support system very, very important. Friends who encourage you, friends who help you grow, friends who reassure you and affirm, you know what, you can do this. Yeah. And then the other aspect is uh, building connection. So this is support in terms of, uh, of work. Yeah. Um, building connection, this now involves. Yeah, even colleagues who can clearly even remind you, yeah, you know what, you're doing well. And also support you in doing one or two, three things, yeah, because that also motivates someone um, in a deeper level. So when you talk about support system, it's based, even going back to your families, by the way, in terms of social setting, there's something to doubt yourself a lot. But they'll reassure, you know, that reassurance, being able to talk to someone, to just tell them how you feel. Because remember, even if the imposter syndrome aspect is very important to talk about it. And who are you talking to? That's the most important. Because you can talk to a person who will clearly uh, feed into that doubt. Huh? But then you can talk to someone who will help you reason out and be able to reevaluate and think around them. Like, by the way, I think I was really um, doubting myself too much. Yeah. So basically, those are some of my thoughts around uh, the support system in terms of imposter syndrome. Thank you so much, Winfrey. And one of the key things you've mentioned is the, the who, the person that you're going to for that support mm -hmm. and what impact yeah. um, they have in your ability or capacity to manage uh, the self-doubt that you're going through. We live in a very merit-based uh, world in a very merit-based society where achievement, success is heavily um, glorified. And this has had a huge toll on how we even feel about ourselves, our capacity, our capabilities, competence um, in things that we do. And a lot of times it has led to the feelings of inadequacy. Um, and, you know, I was talking about how our society is merit-based and heavily glorifies achievements and success and um, this 
often has led to the feelings of inadequacy, one doubting their own capacity, capability in doing a lot of things. Maybe I'd like to hear from you, Tekla, for starters, and then we'll go to Benjamin. What are some of the ways that you can redefine success in a way that it promotes personal growth, it promotes resilience, uh, you know, and well-being, as opposed to external validation? Over to you, Tekla. So I'm saying, uh, thank you, Pendo. For me, how I see success, I when when I think of this topic, like um, remember before, what was considered as success has changed today. Some of the achievements that were considered an achievement yesterday are no longer considered as an, an achievement today. So I ask myself, if I peg my idea of success on one thing, like let's say, for example, maybe in older days, getting married was considered a successful thing for a young girl or a young man, or maybe having many children. But in our age, that's really, we would say it's outdated. So that makes me have my own way of redefining what success really is. And I, I like looking at it when I do something that's internally, not necessarily externally, maybe uh, people may not even see it as success, but as long as internally I feel I have accomplished something, I celebrate myself, I can take myself out for a treat, buy myself a gift, do something that makes me feel I've done something. Because if I, I expect that other people are, are the ones who will measure my success, Probably I may experience a lot of, you know, you know, the, the anxiety and people pleasing tendencies. So because I don't want to operate in that way, I usually set my own way of viewing success, which is mostly internally. When I do something, I feel I have maybe impacted someone or I've done something that is outside me or maybe something that is touching other people. It doesn't have like to... To, to be seen on the outside, for me, I consider that as success. And so what makes me really feel I've achieved internally is how I measure or how I feel I have succeeded, even though it may not be what other people may view as success. So mostly I strive to ensure that internally, if I do something and people celebrate and I feel the same, externally and internally I also feel the same, then I think I have uh, really moved from the place of external uh, success and rather focusing more on in how my my, um, feeling internally in terms of whatever achievement, be it something that can be seen or not even seen. Yeah, back to you. Uh, that's how I redefine success to, my, to me. And that helps me to keep going, even when maybe I don't feel I'm doing my best. So I work on myself to strengthen areas that I feel I need to work on. Thank you so much, um, Tekla, for that. Shifting the, you know, it from external validation to internal validation um, when it comes to success and, and appreciating progress. Thank you so much, Tekla, for that. Benjamin, would you like to briefly add on to that? Um, over to you, Benjamin. 
Yeah, thank you very much. I don't know if I can be heard. Yes. All right. Uh, I would like to first of all say success redefinition is something that uh, we really need to educate the masses about because uh, most of the people, depending on how they consider themselves to be successful, is really unrealistic, just like within the perfectionist. You know, we all have different backgrounds of where we grew up from. So if you're to if you're to define your success best on somebody that has grown up say from a first family of a president, then, <laughs> then you're always going to think you are low, you are low, you're going to suffer from, you know, that uh, you're, you're not going to get the validation that you're looking for. You know, they say that if a fish is to measure its wisdom by its ability to, to walk on land, then it will consider itself stupid for the rest of the time. So, so I'd like to say success, first of all, is liking yourself, what you do and how you do it. You do not give people the power to define what you do and how you do it. You just do something and you know you can evaluate yourself and you know that I'm not doing something half-baked. And how do we redefine success? The very first step is you need to ask yourself what version of success you're looking for what you're pursuing you know you need to picture yourself where do you want to be three years from now and it should not only end on picturing yourself but you should also know as i picture myself what steps am i taking to be that somebody that i'm picturing myself you cannot picture yourself to be say a member of parliament and you don't attend local council meetings then how do you think people will get to know you and your intentions <laughs> and then step two is think about what you're currently doing, you know, those goals, hmm? your, your day to day, you know, set a timeline, set a deadline, have a to-do list, you know, that's how you're going to redefine your success. Any success that has, that is not based on progress is not considered to be success. And then lastly, the third step is define your why. When you find the why, it is always it's very easy for you to know where you're heading. It is very easy for you to generate a driving force and know that I think this is my destination. You cannot simply get on a road from, from say, Kampala, Uganda, and you're, you have no destination. <laughs> so your chances are high that you will not reach, but if you're set off from Kampala and your destination is Mombasa, then you'll definitely reach Mombasa, and then you know this is where I'm supposed to stop. So that's how you can redefine success. Thank you very much. Wow, well, um, thank you so much, uh, Benjamin. Something very powerfully said earlier. Please, if you don't mind, uh, repeat it for us. If a fish does what, please, please say it once again, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's very okay with me. I said, if a fish is to determine its wisdom by its ability to walk on land, then it will consider itself stupid forever. Thank you. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for that. And I think this really complements something that Magdalene even said and the rest of the panelists earlier on, um, on the aspect of, you know, channeling into your uniqueness. 
as compared to comparison with other people. And it's a key um, bit when it comes to the management and overcoming imposter syndrome. Now, as we're coming towards the end of this conversation, in the interest of time, I'd like to take around through all the panelists and I'll just follow my grid as is. Um, we'll start with Enoch, over to Benjamin, Magdalene, Tekla, Carol, and then finally to Winfrey. Um, and I'd like for you to share to the audience a mantra or a practice or something that you do that has helped you um, overcome imposter syndrome, has helped you cultivate a sense of self-belief um, through life. Share a mantra or a practice, something that you do that helps to, you know, gas yourself up, uh, build on that self-belief when it comes to self-doubt. Let me start with you, Enoch. Thank you. Uh, one, I believe you talk to someone. That is practical. You talk to someone or you form those people you trust when you feel like you are down, you form social network systems. You come together like four, two, you discuss. This is what I'm feeling. I'm doubting this and this. As psychologists, we are good at that. We can help someone. If, if, the, if in the audience they have their friends who are psychologists and so on, you talk to them, they can take you through that. I believe also you stop comparing yourself to others. That is the best thing in this, I think. You know one, and you also believe in yourself. Self-efficacy and self-esteem, they are different things, but they also come together. You believe in yourself. That's how you grow, and you see that you are, you are beating up imposter syndrome. And you, and you beat those feelings of self-doubt. Yeah, that's the smile I can have. Let me hear from my fellow psychologist as well. Thank you. Thank you, Enoch, for that. Thank you for that uh, mantra. Talk to someone and also, you know, working um, against comparison for as often as you're able to do that. Thank you, Enoch. Uh, over to you, Benjamin. A mantra or a practice that you have practiced or, or done to cultivate self-belief. Over to you, Benjamin. Uh, I, I don't know if I can be heard. Yes. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, some of the things I've actually done to cultivate uh, self-belief in me is that every time I think about starting something, I look for evidence. You know, <laughs> I'm someone that does not believe in a grapevine and unless I know all the facts, I'll not do something, you know. I really have to know if I'm going to say I'm going to venture into medical research. I would like to know the tools that I'm going to use to do the data collection, know how they operate, know, I mean, you know, get that debrief, have all the facts, look for the evidence. And then also I reframe my thoughts, you know. I reframe my thoughts before I think of going further. Because without reframing my thoughts, that means I'm going to keep thinking the same way that I used to think before starting on that particular task. And then I also, I also anticipate imposter syndrome to reduce its effects. You know, <laughs> if I know that something is going to come up and I'm trying to have or develop this fear, then I'll find a way of facing it. I'll just give you an example in two minutes. Uh, Personally, I own an electronics business in Kampala, and uh, I would like to say the time I was starting it, I really faced a lot of hardships, but how did I manage this fear and all the anxiety? 
is that before starting that electronics business, I went to where the wholesalers do their work. I got to know the price, the wholesale price. I got to know my retail price, how much I'm going to sell at. I got to know the different levels of these products. There is level one, there is level two. Say, for example, if it is, uh, if it is a phone charger, there is level one and then level two. Level one charges for some time and then level level one charges for good and it's good quality. Level two will only charge for some short period of time. So by doing that, I really, I really found yes, myself uh, taking away all that doubt. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you so much for that. And I, I think that's a that's a really powerful beat. Are we able to pick out what the triggers are when it comes to you know situations that would likely uh, trigger that form of self doubt? Anticipating, uh, preparing, and preparing also involves going into therapy if this is an experience that you're about to engage. Um, anticipating and that only happens when you're aware about your triggers. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for highlighting um, that powerful point there. Um, let me move on to Tekla. Uh, a mantra or a practice that you do or have done before to manage self-doubt. Um, so what I do to manage self-doubt, I usually come up with, I, I call it, assessing the evidence that whatever I've done. So I ask myself, what, what is the evidence that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fraudster or I'm an, I'm an imposter? So I come up with a list of reasons why I feel I am an imposter. And then I, come again, I came up again with a list of why I'm not an imposter. So that way I'm able to really assess and and have of course the evidence may be i'm not an imposter so it keeps me going it's it helps uh, build self-confidence in me and also of course it diminishes the self-doubt i also re refocus on on my value where i remind myself what really matters not necessarily the external success but rather the internal feeling of i have done something so when I refocus on that, it means I'll always uh, like list, let's say maybe for example, today I go down journal and I ask myself, how was the forum? Was it okay? Did I say something I wasn't supposed to or did I do well? And if I did well, how am I feeling internally? So like more of assessing myself and the evidence to which proves that I'm not an, an imposter, it helps me. Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, I can start with Carol. Um, and we are summarizing with a mantra uh, that you say to yourself or a practice that you do that helps you to navigate imposter um, syndrome, helps you to navigate self-doubt. Over to you, Carol. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I always tell myself that I'm going to be me and the world is going to adjust. And that helps me to be the most authentic uh, part of me or I live in a very authentic life so I just do me and um, if it doesn't work, work out why I need to improve, improve but that sense of I'm doing enough yes there are some parts I can work on and improve but I'm at this particular moment I'm doing and giving my best so I'm going to me let the world around me adjust I work on what I can and that is how I'm able to to improve and work on my poster syndrome and of course really talk to some people and they help me rethink and restructure my thought process and I achieve um, or appreciate my success. Thank you. 
Wow. Um, thank you so much, um, Caroline, for that. Um, and I love how that statement builds on, you know, self-confidence, working on yourself and your uniqueness. Thank you so much, um, Carol, for that. Over to you, Magdalene. A mantra that you live by or a practice that you do to build self, um, you know, belief. Um, I'd say because I struggle at times with different, you know, types of um, imposter syndrome. So maybe at the point when I'm feeling very perfectionistic, I tell myself it's all about the progress, not about perfection. At the point when I'm feeling a more like a soloist, for instance, I remind myself that no man is an island. We all need help um, once in a while. At the point when I feel like I really need to overwork to prove my worth um, or stuff like that, I tell myself, by the way, I can only do the best to what I am able to. I should not crush myself in the process in order to prove something to other people. So, yeah. Wow, um, thank you for that. Uh, also bringing up the fact that you could be experiencing different forms of it at different points and different experiences. Thank you, Magdalene, for, for that. And then finally, over to you, Winfrey. A mantra or a practice that you do to build on right. Okay, thank you, Penda. I guess most has been said, but um, maybe also one that maybe uh, hasn't been talked about uh, is more self-affirmations and always reminding myself, no one is you and that's your power. I think this still carries on the uniqueness. The moment you remind yourself, no one is you and that's your power. So if that is what you're able to do, and the progress as well, how you're progressing on, and also one thing I've always valued is constructive criticism. I'm a person who is very, very open to corrections, yeah? Because one thing I need still builds you, builds you for more growth. So and I guess the moment you embrace that trust in you, you'll be in a better space. Most importantly, no one is you, and that's your power. Carry that with you. It's a mantra that has always worked for me and has helped me all through. Wow, um, thank you so much for that. No one is you and that's your power. Um, and I'm actually realizing that now, saying it to myself. No one is me and that is my power. Like, no one else is, is me. Uh, and, and that carries a lot of weight. Thank you so much, um, Winfrey, for that. If I'm to add into this, mine is a very simple one. Uh, and it's because a lot of times I'd find myself being very critical um, of myself uh, and it's okay just speaks to me in terms of self-compassion you know those moments when i'm, I'm beating myself uh, down trying to take up a lot and i'm worn out you know and doubting and you know sometimes you find yourself wondering why am i going through all of this why am i having these struggles and just telling myself you know what it's okay it's okay um and then after that seeking what follows after uh, that speaking to my therapist um contrary to popular belief even us as psychologists seek therapy um and would benefit from support so are you also seeking support you don't always have to seek support when you're hitting the wall um and feeling all down and you know torn apart you can also seek support for progress so addressing some of these situations, speaking to someone, 
I've had Norman is an island also in this conversation, and we all need support. So thank you so much to the panel um, and to everyone who has watched this conversation live on Facebook, on YouTube, um, on LinkedIn. And we look forward to hearing your experiences on imposter syndrome. Your experiences based on what you've heard from the panel today. Feel free to engage us through the chat section uh, and we will take our time to respond and engage with you uh, in the questions that you might have. I'd also like to invite each and every one of you to um, our Mindful Mondays tweet chat. We have a tweet chat each and every Monday from 10 a.m. on our uh, page, Twitter page at Chiromo Hospital. GRP, um, and that is in furtherance of our global initiative termed Tufunguke. Tufunguke, for those who are joining us internationally, is Swahili for let us open up, let us speak to each other, let us engage. Um, there's a lot of us to struggle with one thing alone. So let us talk to each other and uh, share our experiences. And in that way, we are able to offer support to each other. In the same line, I would also like to um, highlight that we do have a toll free number that is 0800 220000. You can reach us through this number 24-7 on and manned by psychologists on the other end. So this is a crisis line. If you are going through a crisis, if you know someone who is going through a crisis, please share this information um, for us to be able to offer support um, at any time. And remember, in everything that you do, in everything that you're looking at, your mental health comes first. So don't forget that. Um, let us remember that your mental health comes first and let's talk to each other. Tufunguke. Thank you to everyone who's been here. Um, that brings us to the end of this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Bye.